Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I love fellowshipping and eating. Probably a little too much. So much so, Brother Tom actually had invited someone to church from the post office last week. And we kind of thought we knew each other. We did from the post office, but we couldn't figure it out. So when I walked away, she told Brother Tom, she goes, who is that bearded guy, that heavyset guy in the front? <laughs> she didn't mean to say that. I have some other things she should have said. but Rugged good looks. Powerful shoulders. That's what I was telling my daughter. Teddy bear girth. They're just going to go with the teddy bear. I don't like heavyset. That was not my favorite. But uh, it's okay. You know what? I love eating so much, and, and some of you guys are praying for me. I uh, was going through some allergies, and I couldn't eat for a bit. Might have been the Lord's grace, but I got tested, found out that I'm just allergic to everything, and I could take some medicine and eat. So Sandy and I have been discussing um, the level of eating I've been doing lately because I'm making up for lost time. But uh, I told Hannah I have a new scripture for me. It's called, I'm allergic to the earth and the fullness thereof. I just, I, I don't know. But I do appreciate the prayers. That's something about uh, the body of Christ, about the church that is so awesome, is that we do hold up one another. And when we're hungry, we're holding each other up big time. So tonight, I will get done fast, as fast as I can. Uh, I don't know who's fasting tonight, but we'll be done by 8. So, so set your, yeah, we'll be done by 8 o'clock. <laughs> Austin gave me more time. Um, finally, the last bit of announcements I have, because I just have to announce the silly things in my life, but... Um, pastor this morning, he kind of made a comment about uh, Hannah's boyfriend. And, uh, you know, not sure exactly where that was at. And, and I said, well, he's got a ways to go. But he did stay to hear his girlfriend's dad preach. So he's closing the gap. <laughs> I said, that was, he had a ways to go, but he's getting a little closer. Okay. Uh, turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy 32, verse 30. I, I want to talk about a subject tonight um, called Better Together. And that's cliche, and I get it. Some of you I might have already turned off. You already went, oh, I've heard this, a, a thousand different hashtags, right? I don't even know what a hashtag is. I thought it was a number sign for years. I, didn't, I, I thought that the letters after that were code for numbers. So I was like, man, people are hiding their phone numbers. But no, it's a hashtag. It's just a thing that they, you know, tag sayings. But better together has kind of been so cliched. And, and, and all the sports teams do it, and, and clubs and different gatherings, it's they have the hashtag stronger together, better together. Uh, they didn't invent that, though. It actually comes from the Lord. We really are better together. And I want to show us a few different areas tonight where I believe God has worked in my life and my family in these areas. So in Deuteronomy 32, verse 30, how could one chase a 1,000 and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them. And verse 31, for their rock, not like our rock. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. I, I love how this, to me, this ties in with that other verse. It, it talks about, you know, don't, don't uh, you know, say you have victory over me, my enemy, when I fall. Don't rejoice at my failure because I will arise. Well, man, when you've got somebody with you to help you up, you're going to rise a lot stronger. There's something about better together. Again, if, you, if the two lie down, they will, they will keep warm. But if you're alone, how do you stay warm? There is provision together with one another. There are needs that can be met better together. 
Verse 12, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily or quickly broken. Two quick ones. Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? And finally, in Genesis 2.18, and the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time together tonight. I thank you and praise you for this body for this ministry, God, for the preachers here, for the people here, for the worship in this church, the musicians that we have, the children, the young people, the elders, God, you have built and placed together a body of believers in this little town of Anderson who love you, who are seeking you. And so tonight, God, I ask you to speak a word that's from you. God, use me. Have your will in this service, God. Change anything that I have prepared to say to be what you would say. Move in my heart, God, by your spirit and and fill us tonight. May our hearts be open, our minds ready to receive, God. And we love you, Jesus. And the church said, amen. Better together. I want to talk about three areas that I think we are better together. The first one's marriage, then the body of Christ, and then simply being in Jesus. We're going to cover those three topics. I came across a study. It was um, Harvard University, Brown University, and then uh, uh, Southern California. And they got together and they did a study on divorce. And they found the top six reasons that people divorce in this country. And, And I thought that was, when you have three different colleges doing the surveys, I think we can have a pretty good, what we call empirical data, what we call actual data we can use. And the University of Chicago jumped on, and they did some studies, and they said, we found something interesting that goes along with these reasons for divorce. We found that 75% of couples who divorce, they they do so because they had close friends that had divorced. And so what they found was that there was actually this, this togetherness in a negative way. And they used the word, when birds of a feather flock together. That was what the world said. They said that you have close friends at divorce, you're 75% more likely to end that way as well. And then they went on and they said drug abuse and alcohol and adultery, those things actually were more likely as well when you had close friends that were doing those things, that that, that the alcohol abuse, drug addiction tended to go up when your friends were doing it. The scripture had it, right? I think it's 1 Corinthians 15.33. Bad company corrupts good morals. Here's the thing. I'm not saying that just because somebody is divorced that they're bad company. There's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of love and healing the church needs to do in that area, in a lot of areas. But the the facts are facts. You know, if there are people that are just living a life that says, I don't care about the things of God, that, that, that God's way is not as important to me, then as a church body, those should not be our close friends and confidants. They don't belong as our influencers. They don't belong as those that that we seek, like, acceptance and advice from. It just doesn't belong there. The relationship that we are to have with them is one that is praying for them, that's calling them into the light, that's speaking truth into their lives, not fellowship. We don't have fellowship light and dark. And that's painful to hear. Sometimes we look at family members that don't know the Lord. We look at close friends that don't know the Lord, and we don't want to admit this. We don't want to speak to it and say, man, I shouldn't have so much fellowship in this scenario. You have to be prepared. If it's family and and friends like that, you've got to be prayed up and ready. Because you're not supposed to fellowship, but you are to be a light. Amen? 
So when it comes to our marriages, these six things, I'm just going to go through them. I'm going to give you what the, what the world looked at and said, wow, these are big reasons for divorce and what God has to say about them. Number one reason for divorce, <clears throat> infidelity. That makes sense? That's a big deal. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's a big one. Yeah, that's a tough one to get over. Infidelity is the number one. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to heal from. It's hard to come back from it. We see that in the church too. But I tell you, unfaithfulness to God is one of the first primary reasons people leave the church. They're unfaithful to the Lord. In fact, Jesus said, they don't hate you, they hate me. He tells the disciples, it's not you they hate, it's, it's me. Unfaithfulness to God will cause you to divorce from him so quick. Now you're done. I don't care about your things. I'm tired of your things. I, I don't like this accountability. I don't like this idea of being of having fidelity. I should be able to do whatever I want to do. And in marriage, the number one reason for divorce is infidelity. But I'll tell you something about marriage with this. There's a commitment of love. Love is an action. In, in, in Mark 12, Jesus, in verse 30, he's going to talk about the greatest commandment. And the greatest commandment is God is one, and you're to love him. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is like it, you love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know that applies to your marriage? Your wife, your husband, your spouse, that applies. There's been times I didn't think it did. It does. Young people, I know you're not married yet, and most of you aren't. Take notes. Pay attention. I also know that not everybody's married, okay? This is not like everybody has to be married to experience God and a connection with Him. But this is a parallel we need to understand, whether you're married or not. Fidelity is important. It's a vow. It's a commitment that you make to your spouse. And it's more than just abstaining from another person. There's a commitment to love. There's a commitment in fidelity that says, look, I love you in a way that's selfless. Agape love is to prefer over my own self. It's to say, I love you in a position, in a place that's, that's above my own. It's above me. I'm second to this. You know, if we all did this in marriage, we'd have a lot more harmony. If we both loved each other in this way, the way Jesus loves us all the time, it would be better. It's better together. It just is when you love one another like this and, and you love God together, your marriage operates in a harmony that only God can design. We shouldn't miss this. The selfless love, it's more than just saying, I won't do something that causes unfaithfulness. It is saying you are priority. I love you with my whole being. You know, man, I'm just going to speak to you plainly, and I don't. We have a we have a family in here, families in here, so I'm not getting crass. We're not doing that from the pulpit, but you need to be careful what you set before your eyes. You need to be careful what you're looking at, what you're watching, and then what you set in your mind. Women, you got to do the same thing. This is not limited to men. You got to be careful what you read, what books you're into, what shows you're into, what things get into your head. Because I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, if you look upon a woman in lust, you've committed adultery. You've broken the number one, the first place of marriage that is required to be faithful in. You break it. So I don't know where we got the idea that, that fidelity was, was limited to just a physical act. You, you have got to put your spouse first. And in likewise, the same love, 
you better be loving Jesus. You put him first. You make him the most, the biggest priority. When you align with him, you'll align in how you love your spouse. And it's not predicated on how she or he loves you back. The responsibility is on every one of us individually to love like this, regardless of how they love us back. It's a hard word for me to hear. I don't like this one very much. So let's get off it. Okay, number two. Second biggest reason of divorce is finances. It's money. Makes a lot of sense, right? The most arguments come over money, indecision, a lot of problems. Finances are a big problem in a marriage if you let it be. Same thing in the church. Boy, didn't Jesus speak against this? Didn't he talk about this? I remember him telling the disciples, "It's, it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. It's really hard. In fact, in another place he said, you can't love God and wealth. You can't do it. You'll love one and hate the other. That's what's going to happen. You can't have money as so important. It's going to be the second biggest reason why you walk away from God. Pastor said this. He said there's two kinds of people. There's givers and there's takers. There's just two camps. And Jesus loves a cheerful giver. If a marriage is lined up in giving, Lined up in their finances, there is going to be, you're lined up in love, you're lined up in in fidelity and faithfulness with God and each other, and you get on the same page in finances, man, there is a flowing of giving that's going to take place. There there is a blessing in giving. There's a blessing that comes through because money is just not important to you. The, The stewardship of your resources, how you provide for your family and others around you, now it is blessed. It's going to honor God. We have to have this in order. It's the second biggest reason people divorce, and I can see it right in the church. The selfish, keep all the money I've got, keep all the time I've got mentality in the church, it's not going to work for long because this is not how the Lord operates. The Lord is a giver, and he expects his people to be givers. It's a process. If you struggle here, be praying about it. It's a process. There's things to dig up and pull out and and allow yourself to give. The third thing is communication. Making an effort to understand one another. Communication, it's it's purposed. Many of you parents who've, who've raised kids, would you say that in terms of disciplining your children, it was always good to be on the same page with your spouse? Would you all agree with that? I would say it's really important. I would say that if we didn't communicate, uh, CNA would have been in big trouble with this. But we did. Thank God I had pastors who said, Chris, you got to be on the same page with discipline. You have to be. Um, Quick story. I don't want to take all time tonight, but I was afraid to discipline my girls. I grew up in a little bit of a volatile home. Uh, I had some brokenness. Didn't have a dad there much and, and had some brokenness. So when we had children, I, I remember saying, I, I can't discipline them. I'm afraid I'm going to get too mad. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my temper. And I can't remember if it was Pastor or Rodney because they're so synonymous sometimes. You've learned that? Like you ask Rodney and then you're like, okay, that's the same thing Pastor says too. Exactly. So I asked Pastor, it's the same thing Rodney told me. So I can't remember which one. One of them said, Chris, you have to discipline. You can't step out on this. I think it was Pastor because he said, you send them to their room, take a break for a few minutes, get, get your heart and your mind in order, pray, and then follow through. Always follow through. But you got to, you got to be involved. You have to be on the same page. you got to be with your wife in discipline. Man, I thought, what would I have done without the body of Christ, without some people to talk to here? 
I would have right there in foundational times of my children, I'd have been off track. But I went to him. I said, hey, help me with this. God put it in order for me. God got us on the same page in this. I would say, we don't have perfect kids. We don't have a perfect family. But man, am I proud of how they're turning out. I'm proud how they honor God. I'm proud of how they listen to authority, how they, how they obey, how they want to do right. And I'm saying, God, your design is better. It's just better to be together. It's better to have some input. It's better to have my wife and I on the same page and then aligned in you, God. Lord, what do you say about discipline? You say some things very strong that correction is needed, but you got to do it in love. We don't hate our children. We don't abuse our children or our families. We discipline out of love. Marriage is more enjoyable on the same page. Come on, husband, say amen. This one I don't like. The fourth leading cause of divorce was, was over health. They called it obesity and laziness. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm not doing so good on the fourth part here. Um, <clears throat> they called it a selfish lifestyle. And, you know, and I see this. You know, obesity is not about hitting a target weight, looking a specific way. This is just about healthiness. It's about caring about the long term of your life. There are some choices that, that, that I was making in, with, with eating I got through this allergy thing, taking the medicine, and I am just, I'm eating all the dairy I can. That was a big allergy for me. And Sandy goes, you know, you're still allergic to that. No, I'm taking the medicine. No, that, that's, you're still allergic. Your body did not change. Just the medicine is kind of helping you from swelling up and breaking out in hives and anaphylaxis where your throat swells up and you die. That's all the medicine's helping you from. You're not actually over this. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> okay. She goes, please be healthy. I mean, she was pleading with me the other day, just, just take thought of your health. And I, when I saw this cause, it reminded me, I went, man, I could see how this would become a big deal in a marriage. You know, because she's looking at a long-term thing. Like, hey, this is my husband and a provider and my girl's father and hopefully a grandfather one day and hopefully, you know, a great-grandfather. But the course you're going, you may have some question there. That's what she was saying. And I began to look at this, and I thought, man, it's a selfish lifestyle when we get married to ignore health. Not, again, I'm just meddling. Some of you are all mad at me already. But I'm on your side, actually, okay? I, I want to eat. But I do think we should pay attention. I think it's something that we should just keep in our mind that I'm married. I've got a family. I have responsibility to other people. And there's this selfishness that can creep in that says, I don't care. I don't care what I eat, what I do, how, what lack of exercise. I don't care about any of that. I care about me. That's a danger. And this is where laziness can be such a danger in a marriage because one spouse is saying, I just don't care what I look like, what I wear, what I do. I don't care. You're married to me and you're stuck. And that's a bad way to look at it. It's better when you're together. It's just better. Now, in the church, pastor says this, good lazy people, Make good, lazy Christians. You know, in the kingdom of God, there's a lot of work to do. There is work. I don't know who told us that there's no such thing as work in the church. There is work to be done. There's a putting down of our flesh. There's a seeking of God. There's a building up of one another. There's ministry to be done. There's sharing the gospel, praying for one another. There is giving and work and things to be done. And to become lazy in that is to tell God that your things are not priority. This is a, a big cause for divorce, and it's another cause 
of us leaving the faith or walking away from the Lord. And we have to be aware of it, amen? Fifth thing is connection. There is a separation for married couples. You are separate from other relationships in this world, and you should be. There there is a connection you make with your spouse that's emotional. And and yes, there's a physical connection too, but, but let's talk about the emotional and the mental side. The world, all they want to deal with is the physical. In fact, the church, all they want to talk about anymore is the physical side of connection. I'm tired of it. I know, listen, I'm going to tell you this, and this is as far as I'm going. You get everything lined up with God, everything's aligned, and every part of your marriage will be healthy. That's the truth. We don't have to deal with the symptom and spend all our time on the fifth or the, you know, the fifth biggest reason of divorce. Let's get back to the first reason and talk about faithfulness to God and loving one another. But we get down here, and this is this connection thing. And, 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 and the world said it's emotional and it is physical. And I'm looking at that, and I said, man. There's an emotional and a mental connection we have with our spouse that lasts for our entire life. It goes through the trials. It goes through times of separation where we might be great distances. Uh, you know, we have, in the mili- we have people in the military. Brother Brian's here tonight. He's going to be gone at times. There's times that in service you've been gone from your spouse. Well, if the number one reason to stay married is a physical connection, it's going to be real tough when you're on leave for a few months. It's going to be real tough when you get sick. It'd be real difficult if somebody gets cancer and's got treatment for a couple of years. How do we make it? Our marriage is in the dumps. No, there's an emotional, a mental connection that should only be shared between a spouse, between two people, and that carries you through thick and thin, good times and bad, sickness and in health, all the issues you can go through. That is a big part of marriage. If you get that aligned. That's going to be a rightness. There's going to be the, you do love each other and you do know each other and, and you shouldn't have that connection with any other person. Not that close. And now I look at the Lord. Man, if we're not connected to the Lord like this, we lose all intimacy with God. That's another problem I have with the world's description of intimacy. They just don't have it right. They just want to do something in the physical and there's so much deeper connection here. With the Lord, there is this He knows how you think. He knows where you've been. He knows every part of your life. Why would you not seek to be intimate with him and and share your heart and your thoughts? He already knows them. He's waiting for us to share it, to be open. Let God move. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Let God deal with us. Let God speak to us. Let him know us. Really, it's just about me opening to him. This connection, if you get this right, this is going to anchor your faith. This is going to anchor your marriage, and it's just better. It is. And the last one is is abuse. Sixth leading cause, abuse. And there's a lot of abuse out there. There's a lot of kinds, and I don't have time to go into, I don't want to go into all of them. But I'm going to tell you this, respect and honor, that's going to keep a marriage together, and that's going to keep your relationship with the Lord together. So in your home, if you can respect and honor one another. And look, are we perfect at this every day? Am I the only one that ever has a bad day? I do struggle with this sometimes. He come home from a long day, and, and man, that flesh is rolling. I, I need to eat, go to sleep, whatever. I can't deal with problems. And it's real easy to lose my respect and honor for my wife there. Don't say amen. It doesn't happen that much. But just to build me up while I'm up here. But the truth is that we don't always operate perfectly here. And we don't operate perfectly in this with one another. And we don't operate perfectly in this with God. 
We avoid respecting and honoring and reverencing the Lord. And the church today, they don't want to reverence God. They don't want to honor God. It's all about them. It's a humanistic, selfish perception. And so they have lacked, and I see that in my life I have lacked. In the church world, the preaching and the teaching is all about self. It's not about honoring and respecting God. If you have abuse in your home, you have some abuse that, pro- that comes up, pops up some time to time. Losing your temper, the, I call it like the volume adjusting arguments. It's like it goes up and down. You know, the, I'm just, we're having a discussion, but the volume is adjusting. It's like get the remote, turn it down, it goes back up. Nope, turn it back down. If we do this in the Lord's kingdom, we're going to run hot and cold. We're going to be on fire for God. We're going to be so cold to Him, we don't care. We have to make effort to honor and respect the Lord, His commands, His things, His people, His church, His ways, everything about God. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some effort in your home. And sometimes you may be the only one honoring and respecting the other. That doesn't mean you stop doing it. No. We have to each individually and together honor and respect. But your marriage is better when both of you are on the same page on this. It is so good. It's aligned. When you're aligned with God, you're aligned with His ways, everything flows down. There's blessing. There is, there is joy. There is peace in the home. There is love. When these things are lined up the way they should be, it is a perfectly well-oiled, functioning family unit. Just how God designed it. God is so good. So blessed. Let's move on to the body of Christ. I want to talk about body of Christ. Ephesians 4.12 had said, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I like that picture. There is a bunch of verses we could go to on this. I don't have time. I hope if you're listening tonight, you're going to think of about 10 verses where you go, man, Chris, you could have gone there. We could have. We just want to eat. You know, I'm going to be okay tonight. I'm not going to do as bad. I'm trying to be, I don't want to be as heavy set. But there's this, there's so many verses here about the body of Christ, and it's all better when we're together. There's a unity in the Lord. There's a unity that one another we must get. And when I looked at Genesis 2.18, I, I'm not going to build a whole doctrine on this, but I did see God look at man, and he said, it's not good that you be alone. And so we've taken that, though, and because right after that, God's going to provide Adam with Eve, the, the helpmate. She's going to come in and be a helper to him, and, 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 and he, he's got, he calls her woman. She's out of my flesh, bone of my bone. And, and so we kind of just say, well, this is only about marriage, but I don't see it that way. I, the Lord said it's not good for man to be alone, and, and then he had commanded them to be fruitful and multiply. And there is a fellowship in the garden, in the original intent of God. There's a walking intimacy with God, and he wanted to multiply that. This family unit was about multiplying the fellowship with God. I see that in the church today. I don't see God just raising up individual Christians and just having one-on-one fellowship with individual men and women and leaving the body of Christ out. What God is doing today in the church, He's bringing us together in unity. He's bringing us together in Him. He is bringing us up as a unit, as a body of Christ, and our fellowship is with one another and in Him. It's not good that man should be alone. All Christians are called to this. 
Those of you that are thinking about the part I talked about in marriage, you're like, that doesn't really apply to me. This does. If you're here tonight, this applies to you. You want to be in the body of Christ, and the Lord is so merciful. He, he washes us clean. It doesn't matter maybe what I've done or where I've been, but it matters where I'm going. It matters who I belong to right now. and It matters where I'm spending my life from here on out. I can be in the body of Christ and, and in fellowship with the Lord. It's a multiplication of fellowship. I, uh, I met a man a few months, or, sorry, years ago. I had some family friends, and his dad came to this dinner. And we're sitting there, and, and, and he heard that I was a youth leader and, you know, that we, we love church, we love God. At the dinner, at this, it's, it's at this house, I'm a guest, two families and this man, and he says to me, he says, hey, you know you don't have to be a Christian to go to church. I'm a guest in another person's house. I'm not expecting this. And I'm eating, and I just said, okay. I, what do you want me to, I don't know what you want me to, I don't want to have an argument. I just, okay. Go on eating. He says, he goes, no, no, no. You don't have to be a, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't, you don't have to go to church. I said, man, I said, okay. Now I've got my family here. I've got these friends here. And I just said, you know, do you have a verse or something that you're getting that from? He said, well, I mean, yeah, I've experience. And I've seen, you know, God's moved in individuals and, and your walk with God's between you and the Lord. Okay, I got, that's a good theory. I, I, I got, I'm not trying to argue with you, but what do you do with forsake not the assembling together? I'm just, I just want to know how you answer that. It says the manner of some is to do that, but, but the writer said don't forsake the assembling together. What do, you, what do you say to that? Mouth hung open. He just looked at me. I, I don't know what I say to that. I just know my experience. I know, you know what's happened. Turned out he'd been hurt in church. Had a bad divorce. Church sided with his wife. He was done with church. Okay, that's your experience. I said, all right, well, I got a bunch of other verses to say the opposite of what you're telling me, sir. And we begin to go into some of them. And I tried to do it in love. I, I just explained some things. And I said, look, for my family, we go to church. And it's not about going to the building. It's not about filling out a timesheet or, hey, I checked in. I love Jesus. I want to take him because I, because I want them to see the Lord and, and feel his presence and be in the presence of the body of Christ. I don't want to miss that. A couple of weeks later, these friends texted me and said, guess who came to church with us today? So that's awesome. Now, I don't know if he still goes. I don't know what happened. But I will never forget. Pastor has many times would preach about rogue Christianity and how you just can't make it on your own. And then I see and I hear this man. There's such bitterness and anger when you isolate, when you get out of the body of Christ and in isolation, you're going to come up with some really weird, different, dangerous, destructive ideas. One of them is that you don't need the body. That is a destructive, dangerous thing to think. It's going to kill you. What does the Scripture say about your enemy? Know your adversary. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the lion hunts like this. He separates the weak from the herd. The lion finds the young. He finds those that are, that are struggling a bit. He separates them from the herd, and that's who he kills. Understand your adversary, Christian. Know what you're dealing with. When you get isolated out of the body of Christ, you are a prime target. You will be attacked, not if, you will be. And if you do not have the body of Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ at its center, you're going to fall to that every time. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. 
This word for church, it's not the building. It is the ecclesia. It's the assembly. Look at somebody next to you. They're all falling asleep. Say, some assembly required. <laughs> Man, I got like half the church. I must be going really long tonight. I apologize. You guys are falling asleep. You're going to need to be assembled into the body of Christ. Yeah, it means you've got to be willing to be the part and the piece that God designed you to be, to function where God places you at. It doesn't do any good to say, I'm going to be part of this church, I'm going to do what I want. No, no, no. Come into the body of Christ. Be used where God has you to be used. Be pliable. Be willing. Be somebody who's an encourager. Somebody who just, I just want to be here. I want to learn. God, teach me. God, use me in your time. You don't just walk in and do your thing. You don't walk out because you want to. You serve the Lord. You plug in and you stay in Christ. And this applies everywhere you go, anywhere you're at. You've got to be plugged into the body of Christ. I will build my church. We are separated from darkness to light. I want to look at 1 John chapter 3. To me, I read this a couple of months ago and thought, wow, did you know that there is actual evidence of whether or not you are in light? Whether you have the love of God in you? There is an actual evidence that you can look at. It's, this isn't something hard to understand. 1 John 3, 14 through 18, John is going to say, listen, there is a clear-cut way for you to evaluate where you're at and for you to evaluate sometimes where someone else is at. I, it's hard to hear. This one, this one hit me between the eyes. Verse 14, we know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Yeah, but I love God. I do my own thing. I love God on my own, brother. I did, but me and God got our own thing. We are doing our thing. Okay? How do you verify that if you don't have any brethren? This word for love, it's that agape word again. It's that preferring. It's that selfless love of putting others above myself. In Philippians 2, we don't have time to go there, but but he says, esteem others higher than yourself. Keep yourself under, beneath. Love others more. Wow. How we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death, remains. If you don't love the brethren, you remain in death. That hit me. There are some people that are hard to love. <laughs> Say amen. Amen. Heavy set teddy bear guy, easy to love. Really easy. <laughs> Thank you, brother. But man, there are just some people, it's hard. There are some times it's hard. It's difficult. It's going to take some action. This word agape, this is, yes, I need the Spirit of the Lord in me. I can't do this without Him. I can't love like this unless He's in me, activating it. And then I follow through and I say, God, I want to obey that. God, I, teach me to love. I'm going to put others above myself. I'm going to care about the, the needs in the body of Christ. I'm going to care about that. I'm going to make myself seek your face. I'm going to make myself find a use, find purpose in loving one another. And if I have that heart, God says this. This is how you know you pass from death to life. That you love the brethren. But Chris, I, I give money to homeless people. I'm not telling you not to give. I'm not saying don't. But that is still not the sign. Paul said in Corinthians, he said, look, you can, you can give your body to be burned. Give all that you have to the poor. But if you don't have love, it's worthless. 
And John says, here, if you love the brothers, man, this is how you know. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. You know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I got excited about this, though. I know the murderer does not have eternal life abiding in him, but guess what? The one who loves their brother, it's abiding in you. Man, I, there's something comforting about that. Some of y'all need to understand that. You didn't say amen at all. Resurrection, life-giving power abides, remains in you when you love God and you love the brothers. We're afraid of death, afraid of the judgment. What, what are you afraid of? If you love the Lord and you love the body of Christ and you are acting this out and walking this out in faith, the resurrection power is in you. The eternal life is in you. It's abiding. It remains until the end time. Yes, when you die and you rest, it's when you receive your salvation, but it's in you. That same power, that same that was in Christ, it's in you. Man, when we walk after the Lord, when we serve Him and we are loving the way He told us to, when we are putting others first, putting Him first, man, you can't help but walk in the power of God. And the Scripture said, in the murderer, eternal life is not abiding in Him. So I think it's okay to assume it's abiding in those that love Him. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. Now, quick Greek, not a long time. I just read to you verse 14 and 15. That word for life is zoe. That's your existence. That, the word zoe means your spiritual and physical existence. That right there, that is eternal life, your existence. This word, we know this, by this we know love because he laid down his suke for us, his soul, his will, affections. That's what he laid down, the suke, the, the word for psyche, it's it's everything that he desired or wanted. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Laying down of the will. We know this because he laid down that. He laid down that love, that life. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I don't like this verse all that much, but I need it. This is, the, this is the battle, church. We, we have to lay down our suke, my desires, my, the will I have for my life, the will for what I want to gain, where I want to be, the, the, the successes that I want in this life, uh, all those things that I love, they've got to come second to you. And that's something I haven't been perfect at. But this is the love of God that drives us to this. This is what causes us to look out at the body of Christ and say, man, I've got to love one another more than I love my stuff, more than I love my gain. I love my family. I've got to love my family unit more than me, my daughters more than, more than I love myself. And I have to love you more than that. It's a growing thing. It's something that we've got to grow in. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't just come, bang, you got it. It's going to be active in your heart, active in your life, but you have got to want it. You've got to walk in it. You've got to put some things down. You've got to deny your flesh. You have to do some work in this. I'm going to get to that in a second. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Chris, I give a dollar every day to this guy on the corner at Safeway. That's great. Awesome. Are you, are you loving the brethren? How could we sit, in, and I'm not saying we, I've, this church, I'm probably just preaching to all choir folk tonight. 
You guys do an amazing job of loving one another. Maybe this was just for me, but I think there's a few people in here that are getting something. But how can we sit in the church and see a real need? See somebody struggling when we have the goods and the means to provide it and not act. And this is what John says. He, if you see a brother in need, and that, that's, that if you have the goods, you have the ability to help, you've got to help. Now, I'm not saying that's always money. Sometimes that's some time. Sometimes that's just reaching out and saying, man, I, I love you. I, look, I, we're going to do a little more than just meet at church. Let's do something this week. Let's get together. Let's, and God has challenged me on some things because there's some areas that I just lacked in. And, and I begin to read this and I begin to say, Lord, I have failed here. God, I have not walked in the love that you told me to walk in. God, I have left some things off. I have seen some needs that I didn't go meet and I knew I could and I didn't. And that'll wreck you in prayer sometimes. That'll just make you go, Lord, I, I love the brothers, but I didn't do this. I didn't act like this. God just began to speak to my heart. Man, if you love me, keep my commandments. Love the brethren. Love them. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Don't just love the way we say it. Don't just say it. Don't just, the word here for word is logos. Don't just love in logic and thinking. Hey, it's a good idea. You know, the body of Christ is good. It's a good, a good program. It's a good club. It's a good group of people. That's awesome. Hey, I love them too. No, that's absolutely nothing. Jesus said that the religious of that day honored him with their, with their lips. Their heart was far from him. And, and the church world today, the, the big mega church, how do they even see a need and fill it? There's such a lack of, of connection. There's such a lack of loving one another. They have to get in small group after small group after small group just to try to make a connection. And I look at a, at a church like this, I say, man, we have built connections. We have built love between one another. Let's not stop. Let's keep growing. I just talked to Brother Dave right before church. I said, Dave, I got to keep growing. I can't stop. I can't say we're good enough. I can't say we've got there. We're, we're there now. We love each other the way we're supposed to. We are walking in that direction, but we got to keep growing. There's still areas that, that I got to grow in that, that you have to grow in. We can't stop now. I look around at the world and, and what COVID's done, and COVID has done is just taken this isolation idea by storm, and, and it's, it didn't just affect the world. It didn't just affect Costco and Safeway and all these places. No, no, no. It affected the church. It affected the gathering. It affected the love of the brethren, and it took us to a place we got more concerned about our safety, more concerned about if we were doing right by the government or right by health than we did about the needs of the brothers and sisters. We cannot operate like that. I cannot put that above the brothers and the sisters of the Lord. Amen. What is the kingdom of God if not the people? Is it a building? Is it this building on Rupert Road? It's this church. I, I started here. I was 16 years old and I went to pastor's house. We went to the Cottonwood Community Center. We ended up down the road on Balls Ferry, and, and now we're here on Rupert Road, and, and my home hasn't changed. Not one time has, has my home in the body of Christ actually changed. The address changed. The location of the building changed. I have felt the same love and the same commitment and the same preaching and the same absolute worship and praise of this body in every place I went. And the first time we had church here, I said, man, I'm home. 
The first time we had church at the community center, I went, I want what they have. When we got to, to Boss Ferry, I said, this is home. Because the, the ecclesia is, is the people. It's us. And wherever we go, whatever we do, as long as we love one another, we're going to operate in the kingdom of the Lord. Man, God is so good. We're going to skip a few things because we're running out of time. Oh, yeah, we got to eat. We can't think less of ourselves, but we think of ourselves less often. There's this whole thing about, I just want to be in such depravity that I just beat myself down. You know, Paul says, I buffet the flesh. He is talking about the desires of the flesh, and you've got to put that down. But to look at myself and say that I'm worthless or that I'm a nothing or that I'm all these terrible things, that's not what the Bible's saying. No, the love of agape is just saying this. I, I'm thinking of myself a lot less often. You are priority to me. God, your things are priority to me. We are just better together. I was thinking about the body of Christ, and I, and I got to get, get through this ending. Years ago, um, we used to move all the time in town. We to, Lake California is probably the worst moving place ever. Brother Austin, I think you were the official Echoes of Calvary mover. I'm almost positive. Every time somebody had to move one house to another, I think you were called. And I know why. Because Brother Austin can pick up a fridge and put it on his back and carry it to the trailer. And he stacks a trailer better than anybody I've ever seen. He can, There's not a, him and Sandy, my wife can pack. He doesn't have it. There's no air. There's no air. Every box, every piece has a place. I don't know how we make it down the road. That thing's topsy. And it's, it's locked in. Austin helped me move. It's like he picks up the fridge, picks up the washer, picks up the car. I don't know. Saves me a lot of gas money. He's the official mover. And I, and I begin to think, though, we were all placed in this body. I don't have time to go to the Scripture. There's so much we could go to about how we fit together. God designs us, fits us together, and we have some unique abilities and things that God wants to use us in. And there are some heavy lifting of burdens. There is, there is something about having somebody like Austin help me move that he can lift some things I can't lift. In the body of Christ, there are some burdens that people can lift better than me. There, there are some areas we're going to walk through. There are some things that life is going to hit us with. I need you to help me lift it because I can't. And Jesus said, come to me, all those who are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come unto me. Take my yoke upon you. And I see such a picture of the body of Christ walking with each of us together, walking up to the Lord, helping take that yoke off. It's, it's a togetherness. It's together in Christ. And, and he is going to lift burdens. But there are some of you that can help lift a lot. The scripture says that we lift and we we hold up one another in our burdens. There are some of you that are carrying things that I don't know how you do it. There are some health problems going on in some of you, brethren, that I, I just, man, we pray for you, and I feel like it's not enough that you're carrying a load, but there are people in the body of Christ that come alongside. And one thing I want to encourage you in, don't be one of those that closes off the body. Don't be one of those that shuts people out. I don't care if you've been hurt. That man up in Washington, he was hurt. The church didn't stand with him in a painful divorce. And instead of getting closer to God, he walked away. He left all the protection, all the help, all the love that was available. And he said, I, I hate this. I can't be part of this. And he's a bitter, lonely person. There are some of you 
that know you can encourage, that know you can lift a burden, that have walked through some things in life, and you can be there side by side with one another. And, and there's something about that, that that just strengthens the body, that gets us through the hard times, and, and always bringing each other into Christ. We bring one another into the Lord. In Jesus, my last part, in Jesus we are better together. This is not, I'm more spiritual than you. I'm closer to God than another. And, and another over there has got more spirit than somebody else. This is together. Where do we get this idea? The gifts of the Spirit aren't even for ourselves. They're for the edification of the body of Christ. Where do we get this idea that somehow there's a competition in a church? This is together. If somebody's blessed, if somebody has a word of knowledge, speak it. I want God to speak. A year ago, a year ago, Pastor Rodney said, Chris, I have a word for your daughter. Can I share it? Please share it. Please speak into my children's life. And he did, and God healed something. God moved. God did a miracle because of the body of Christ. Because we're together in Jesus. We do this thing with one another. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Let this mind be in you. My final verse tonight, Matthew chapter 26, verse 37. Going to seem a little odd, maybe. Jesus took Peter and, and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and they began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Final night of the Lord's physical life. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's about to be arrested. Verse 38, he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. In the book of Matthew, is the only place I could find this next phrase. Stay here and watch with me. The disciples are not going to be able to carry the burden of the cross. There is no one that could carry the cross of Christ. But the Lord said something. Just stay here and watch with me. There's, there's something about walking through something in life, a burden, a, a health problem, financial crisis. There, that I just want someone to watch with me. Would you be there with me? Would, would you walk through it? I see Job. He just, just, somebody come and comfort me. I mean, Job's calling his friends. Just talk to me, speak to me, comfort me. And Jesus says, just stay here and watch with me. There's nothing they could really do but they could watch with them. They could keep their eyes open to let them know when the soldiers were coming. They could have been paying attention to the, to the darkness of night. Maybe, maybe something was going to sneak up on them or walk up on them, and they'd just say, Lord, Lord, we're here. We've got your back. We've got your side. We've got your front. We, we're, we're around you. Whatever you're going to go through, whatever's going to happen, we are here watching with you. And I think the Lord gave us this picture, this one part of the story to just remind us, even the greatest man, God in flesh, wanted the body with him. Don't shut each other out. You're going through something. I, I know it's a tough thing for a man when he's sick or, or going through a financial, maybe made a bad financial decision. It's tough to ask for help. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore the body. You're going through something, you open up. You find some men. Ladies, you're going through something. Find some women you can open up to in the body. You let them watch with you. Let them pray with you. Hold the burden together. There are some pillars in this church that can hold some burdens with you. 
They're not only willing, they are able. And they are spirit-filled, and they are prayer warriors, and, and they will pray with you. Sister Waltrip one night came up and said, I am praying for your mom. And she spoke that to me, and I hadn't prayed for my mom in months. I said, I'm so thankful you held her up. Because I wasn't doing it. Cut me to the heart. But that's the body of Christ. That's holding one another up. Man, I love you, Jesus. Finally, I just want to say God hates division. God never wants to see divorce. God doesn't want to see division. He doesn't want us hating one another, walking out on one another. We don't know what each other's going through. To, to find hatred for each other and just say, I don't care, or I don't want to go to church, or I don't care what you have to say. To walk away from so you don't know what burden they're under. They might have just been ready to talk to you, ready to say, hey, pray for me, brother. Don't be so quick to just take the, the heart and soul of others and make it of no value. We love one another, and God says I, he hates divorce, and he hates separation. God loves unity. God loves unity. Just a few final things and we'll close. I think that worship and praise is better together. I love praising in my car. But when I come to the house of God and we lift him up, there is something special. It's better together. Burdens being carried, many hands make the burden light. It's better together. Daily living, it's better together. So many things come at us every day. It's, it's better to walk through it together with your spouse, with your family, with the brethren. You are called out of darkness. You're placed in the church. Let's act like it. Let's live like it. Don't be afraid of it. Go all in with it. Prayer. You think this is just a, it's a solo act. It's not. No, you should be praying at home. You should be. But it's better together. In the book of Acts, when the church had prayed, miracles happened. When the church had prayed, signs were done. When the church had prayed, things changed. When the church had prayed, it's better together. Navigating life, it's better together. Raising your family, better together. Discipleship, teaching, learning, it's better together. So many blessings. God's design for marriage. God's design for fellowship in Him. With one another, his design is the best way. It doesn't mean that you have to obey certain rules. and No, it's just the design is aligning with him, and it's nothing but blessing. Nothing but blessing. Amen? God bless you, Pastor.